So many of the folks who reach out to me have been faith-based folks. And you and I are in the same generation. Many churches of Christian faith right now, they are small group based, you together with six or eight or 12 other couples and have a small faith-based home group. Yeah. When that is like torture. The meaning we assign to it is we're broken. We're a broken couple because we're not doing this the way that we're supposed. Our neurodiverse kiddos, our teenagers, they don't really fit into the youth group situation. It's been a real challenge to try to figure out how to apply the faith beliefs that are very gender specific and also in a lot of ways, very neurotypical. Yeah. This is season three of the Your Neurodiverse Relationship podcast, which is for adults in all kinds of neurodiverse relationships, not just romantic partnerships. I'm your host, Jody Carlton, and I've spent close to two decades growing in my understanding of how our different brains influence the way we understand and relate to each other. Through the years, I've helped several thousand people understand themselves and their loved ones. This podcast is a place where I come together with others to talk about their journeys. I've got a great lineup of guests talking about things like masking, traits of neurodivergent folks, traits of neurotypical folks, what kind of things cause difficulties in our neurodiverse relationships, but also some of the wonderful things about our neurodiverse relationships. Also, this season is a video cast where you can enjoy watching on YouTube Or you can listen to us on the podcast like you have before. If you're really enjoying this podcast and if you've gotten something out of it, please leave us a review because reviews really matter. And we want to get this out there to as many people as possible so they can benefit from it just like you. If you're watching on YouTube, be sure to subscribe so you'll get notifications of upcoming podcasts and other videos that I post there as well. Welcome. What will we talk about today? Hi, folks. Today is part two of my conversation with Melissa Shriver. In today's episode, Melissa gets raw and vulnerable about her faith and how the traditional Christian background that she and her husband were both raised in has affected them as adults and in their own relationship. She shares her perspective and experience with how this traditional faith has impacted her as a neurodiverse individual and in a neurodiverse family. So many of you are going to relate to Melissa, I know, because you talk about these things with me as clients and in my Facebook group. So listen up to what Melissa has to share. In, in some ways, I think that growing up in that culture in our early formative marriage years yeah. and not really seeing different versions of marriage that work mm-hmm. well, I think that we had to overcome some of that baggage too of, okay, this That's, is not work. What you're describing really has tripped up a lot. So many of the folks who reach out to me have been faith-based folks. Mm-hmm. And you and I are in the same generation. So raised in that similar time frame, and even now, even some of the younger folks, it's been a real challenge to try to figure out how to apply the faith beliefs that are very gender specific and also in a lot of ways, very neurotypical. Yeah. How do we make that work for our relationship? Because be, it has really caused a lot of people confusion. The meaning we assign to it is we're broken. We're a broken couple because we're not doing this the way that we're supposed to. There's those shoulds. So I think as a couple, it's so important to really be able to come to a space of we are who we are. And if you're you're a faith-based person, we are who God made us. So let's figure out what, how this works well, how this works for us and what makes sense. Many churches of Christian faith right now, they are small group based. You do get together with six or eight or 12 other couples and have a small faith 
faith-based home group. Yeah. When that is like torture, if I drag him to that. Like, yeah. yeah. He may love getting down and dirty and detailed into some Bible study with someone, but not yeah. 14 someone's and certainly the, not after the the, Some of that social aspect of it can be just a, a yeah, a, a total yeah. nightmare. So let me bring my autistic kids too. Oh yeah, I know. So there again, it's a matter of, okay, this is the social norm, but what works best for us? Keep trying to put ourselves into the other people's boxes. We try to keep trying yeah. to, this is what, this is the rules that everybody else going by yeah. or the, not just even rules, but just the, I don't know, the, the social norms, norms or standards. Yeah. yeah. And that doesn't work for me. So what does work? It's okay to be yeah. different. It's okay to be different. And, that was and, something that's been in neurodiverse marriage community too, where you start to realize, oh, some people are married but live apart. Some people have a poly situation. Some people bedrooms. And, yeah. And, and I was like, okay, I, that might, that's not right for us right now or what, but it really opened my eyes to the many different ways that people in neurodiverse marriages make it work. Whereas with our background and our early marriages experiences and our faith community, you don't see any of that as being acceptable or normal or whatever. So right. that's probably another conversation about neurodiverse and faith stuff. Yeah. Yeah. The faith community serve neurodiverse. That's a little bit of a different situation probably. But I've had some really good conversations with Stephanie and Dan Holmes about yeah. that. Are you familiar yeah. with them? Yes, I listen to. So yeah. they have their podcast, Your Christian Neurodiverse, mm-hmm. uh, or some variation of that. And I listen to them a lot too yeah. because it's, it's hard. And we're actually kind of in a place of, uh, this is a side note, we may need to cut this out later, but we're in a place of faith deconstruction in some ways because mm-hmm. as our neurodiverse kiddos are teenagers, they don't really fit into the youth group situation. Yeah. One, at least one of them is probably LGBTQIA in some way or will eventually identify as our faith community home space. Our church, our faith would not be a safe place for that kiddo to come and enjoy a Christmas Eve service or something. And I began to really struggle with that. Like, I don't think I'm okay with a faith that doesn't have room for that kiddo either. That's- and very exclusive just struggling with that right and then add in like political stuff and add in covid and how did these communities respond to covid making spaces safe for people to come because i'm also immunocompromised and um it erupted a season of baby construction so it's really been interesting and for my husband there were some tens during the political season and during the COVID season that for him were just like, I don't think I could ever actually see myself going back to that. And so that's been really interesting too, to have a husband who's struggling with that as well, which is not something that you would expect in a traditional, how we grew up, whatever. I love that we're exploring that together. There's tons of great issues out there on deconstruction of faith and kind of rebuilding that faith but also um, a lot of people going through that. I hear about that a lot. I went through a similar thing myself and I hear a lot about that from my community. Okay. So anything, this has been, every time I'm, I take with people, I feel like I can talk for hours and hours. Yes. 
Yes. So, but any, okay. is there any like final like words? That yes. You yes. For the listeners? Okay. So some things that I wanted to tell, some things that worked for me to regain my footing and find my identity um, and to really find my happiness in, in a long-term marriage with my sweet Aspie was A, I allowed myself to be colorful and sparkly in a way that I have needed and felt for a long time. So I have purple hair and I have had that for several years. I have tattoos. I am sparkly. And I know sometimes I tease him. I'm like, I bet that if you had known that you were going to have such a colorful life, you might have reconsidered. And of course he doesn't. He's like, no, I love it. But he is not going to get any tattoos. He is not going to color his hair. He's had the same haircut since I met him 28 years ago. This is him. This is who he is. But I got a little more playful and gave myself permission to really express myself a little more like that. I started my own business. So I had stayed home with our kids for 15 years and was the primary parent and raised them, which is another whole story. I love that. But I really began to give myself um, another job to do. That actually was really kind of hard for him because that disrupted our patterns, right? Mm -hmm. Of me being responsible for dinner or whatever. So that's still sometimes a work in progress. But I appreciate that because I have a little money kind of in that I contributed and whatever. So that's been helpful for me too. It's also helpful for me. Last year was the first year that I did it, but I'll definitely do it again. Is I traveled for myself with a girlfriend for seven or 10 days. We did a women's tour. We went down to Oaxaca, Mexico during Day of the Dead celebrations. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. It filled my heart and soul. I got to just wander through all the gift shops, look at all the colorful, beautiful things, experience the history and the culture. This is something that would have been... Uh, really hard for him to do a to break away from work which is his purpose and passion in a lot of ways right it would have been hard for him to break away for that long but also it would have been hard for him to travel and see all those new things and have those new experiences so i just decided you know what if you're okay with this i will just go with my friend and we'll go on this one store we'll be safe protected because there's guides or whatever but also um i'll get to experience this thing which kind of fills my cup and fills my heart and so that really helped me to then just on the ongoing basis, I still keep a standing therapy appointment with my counselor, which is, um, we have this in our family. We have a lot of anxiety. If you can't create your, your serotonin, you can buy it. You know, so in this day, if I can't create my emotional connection or someone is telling me, you're doing a great job, I can buy it. The counselor just does a lot of just, you're doing a great job. I appreciate what you're doing. I see how you work through that. I see you mothering those kids green. Yeah. You know, a lot of the kind of feedback that I might get in traditional relationship, not in a weird way, obviously, but you yeah, know, just, the emotional validation, the affirmation. And totally. so, so what so I'm hearing and what about. you're saying is, be yourself. Embrace your own identity. Embrace your own color. Yes. You, you, the flavors of who you are doesn't have to be exact. It doesn't have to be in perfect alignment with the flavors or lack thereof of your partner. You can do that. But then also your own self-care. There are so many yeah. mothers and partners who don't feel okay about going out and having that trip with a friend or just even on their own, depending on 
what you want to do. It's it is so important to be. It's okay. It's okay. It's and you both are happier. You both are, are happier. He gets totally. to stay home, be in his comfort zone, and you get to go and have this great experience. Absolutely. And that was really good. Another thing that has really worked for us and actually hyped because we get to go away together this weekend is we every couple of months. We try to go away for a long weekend somewhere, and we have a local grandma who loves to watch these kids, even though they're practically old enough to stay by themselves. But, you know, she'll come and spoil them for a couple of days, and we get to get away. And that actually, when I can remove him from his environment, from his daily stresses, from his work, put away the email, don't check the email. He becomes so um, into me again, meaning attentive to what I need. Yeah. Yes, let's do what you want. He has the space to try a new restaurant. And sometimes it's frustrating because he'll literally sometimes will need to sleep almost the whole first day or two just to recover. Recover. Then he can enjoy it with me. But first he needs to recover. And But now that I understand that and I plan for that time, I'm not frustrated with it. I got it. I'll bring it booked. Like, we're good. But I really appreciate that attention is maybe not quite the right word that care that oh we really still do actually really love to be together we still have this connection like we're not just in the day-to-day of it. and of course that's yeah. great advice for even neurotypical couples to really break away and do that but for me i feel like it is lifeblood it is attention it's like focused attention on you and the relationship and and, 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 and that leads to that connection so that leads to that Oh, it feels so great. Yeah. Yeah. There's your, there's your serotonin. <laughs> Thank you so much for, for taking the time to talk to me. And I think that so many people are going to relate to everything that you've said. You've listened to the podcast for a while. And the whole point is to help people hear from others who are living this similar experience. And everybody's going to be a little different than the next, but it's so similar and it's just so. I think it's just so validating and affirming to hear and also inspirational too for people. I've had people say, I heard on that this person said on that podcast this, and I went and tried that and I thought, and it made such a huge difference in my life. So I just appreciate you being willing to be vulnerable and share some of this with everybody. So thank you. And I thank you so much. Your podcast has been so helpful to me over the last couple of years. I really, I want to be honest. I don't want to sugarcoat it. There are times when I have felt like, I don't think I can do this anymore. I don't think I can do this. I think I can't, this isn't enough for me. I think I think I can't do this. But there are also times when I'm like, this is right where we're supposed to be. This is right who I'm supposed to be. This is who I'm supposed to be with. And I just appreciate so many of the gifts of this marriage too. And the understandings that I have of my own kiddos, the ways that I've been able to heal things from the past, just there's so many things I appreciate that about it too. So we're on and up right now and maybe next year we'll be back in that. I don't know. It's like a, it's a two steps forward, one step back kind of thing. And honestly, when you're in those places of, I don't think I can do this anymore, that's where the growth happens usually because that's where you hit that wall and you're like, Something's got to change. I love the other marriage counselor that we had talked to during that time. Her name was Sarah, but she really was like, look, you have to choose to stay or choose to go. But this in between, this waffling back and forth is not good for either of you. Yeah. And I was like, okay, 
you're right. You're totally right. Staying in that undecided part is too hard for everybody. Yeah. So that kind of helped me flip a switch. Okay, I'm going to choose to stay. I'm going to choose to make the best of this. I'm going to choose to figure out what works for us, what works for me. I'm going to choose how to care for myself radically in a way that I haven't before. And I'm going to be my sparkly unicorn self and not worry about it. <laughs> and then we're going to get it together. But it is, man, it is. When you're in a marriage for such a long time, you know, you're so rich with experiences and with struggles and things that you've learned and things that make it work. And sometimes I forget like what is neurotypical struggles and what are specific to the autism marriage structure. You know, it is, but it's when you talk with another couple who have been married a long time, you're like, oh yeah, we don't have that problem. Yeah. And every couple, everybody's different. And it's not, it isn't always about the neurodivergence. Sometimes it is. I mean, we're all different human beings. So anyway, thank you so much. It's been so lovely talking to you. Thank you, Melissa. I do appreciate it. And maybe we'll have you on here again sometime. Yeah, I, I, I feel like I could talk for a million hours. I always feel that way with everybody. I'm like, oh, I don't want to say. Thank you. All and right. we're going to Nashville this week. So I'm super stoked. We're going to have a good time. And here to the South. <laughs> whiskey is one of my special interests. And he doesn't drink at all. But he has come with me for several years to this whiskey gathering. And he does this for me. I love that. This is a way that he steps out of his comfort zone to meet my needs and to show up for me. I super appreciate that. That's great. Great trip. Yeah. All right. We'll talk later. Thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thank you so much to all of my guests of season three of the Your Neurodiverse Relationship podcast. These folks are bringing their lives to you to help all of you out there who are trying to figure out your own relationships. If you'd ever be interested in being on a podcast, just email us at gethelp at jodycarlton.com. Also, be sure to visit me online at jodycarlton.com to see all the resources that I have available to you. Until next time.